everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of the Roarcast presented by Jag One Physical Therapy, joined by special guest co-host Patrick Desir. He's the uh, Associate Director of Facilities at Baker something. I don't know what you're talking director, about. You director. director. You're not just, sorry. Sorry for shortchanging you. I was going to say Associate Athletics Director. You, everybody's got, see what you need to know about Columbia is everybody's got a long title in their job. <laughs> Director of Facilities and Operations at the beautiful Baker Athletics Complex. Up at the Baker, Baker, up at the bubble at Baker. Look at you. That's the real thing. You're really sitting in the bubble right now. That's not. A That's the real record. thing right there. Rocco B. Camiso <laughs> State. <laughs> Pat, uh, thanks for being a guest host. Uh, pinch hitting. Uh, I, you know, I'm happy I got the call. I was ready. Whatever I got, whatever I can do to help the program and the duties staff. as assigned, right? Do other duties as assigned. <laughs> I'm exceeding expectations. Exactly. I'm gonna leave you a good review. <laughs> Not that I fill out your your evaluation or anything. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, so Pat's joining us. Uh, Kyle and Megan uh, could not could not join us this week. So you might be seeing Patrick uh, a few more times uh, if one of us can't jump on the show. Uh, Got a lot of crazy schedules, a lot of stuff going on, even during a pandemic. So we do, um, we do. We're trying to get this place up and running, and Dodge is up and running now. So yeah, we're looking forward to get things getting somewhat back to normal. So this week we talked to uh, Jim Bolster, the head coach of men's swimming and diving, um, mainly swimming because you know um, Scott Doney coaches the diving teams, and we talked to Gio Hyun, a senior on the men's team. Uh, piggybacking off of our conversation with the women's swimmers last week. So you'll get to know them a little bit more. Uh, Jim Bolster is, is quite a character and Pat and I is one of the best about the, the same time. So, uh, you know, you're going to hear a lot from him. Some good stories. He's been here 37 years. So, and I, I, unfortunately I dated him, you know, on, on that because he's, he's been coaching here as long as I've been alive. Same. <laughs> same. Which is so weird. Pat, what's your, you know, you used to work at Dodge, still in Dodge, you know, occasionally. What's your favorite Jim Bolster story? You have one. Can you pick one? It's there are a lot. Um, Jim, I'm go, I'm just going to give the story. So every year at the beginning of the year, I'm spoiling this for any prospective freshman coming in. <laughs> Jim dives literally from the ceiling and dives into the pool. And that's how they start practice. How does he get to the ceiling? Like, I cannot reveal high. that. I cannot reveal that. That's a, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> there are secret passages that only Jim Bolster knows about and he fits through. <laughs> but he somehow makes his way to the top and he dives into the pool. And that's how they start swim practice officially every year at midnight. So I guess the midnight NCAA madness. allows you midnight madness that day. And that's how that's how they start practice. And then Goose blows the whistle and they just, they, just they go. Uh, Jim is also a favorite at our staff meetings. He always has something to say and commentary <laughs> and questions. <laughs> but um, you know, he's been here. He's seen it all. He's been he's been here a long time, and he's he's actually a really really good guy. He's yeah, guy. he's always willing to help out. You'll hear a bunch of the, uh, some of those stories when we talk to him uh, later in the episode. Um, but yeah, he's he's involved. He's been an auctioneer. He volunteers to do public address announcing when we need it. So. <laughs> Like basically, like if something is going on and you need something in a pinch, you kind of go to Jim. Jim Bolster. Bolster. <laughs> if he doesn't do it, he'll find somebody that will. So, <laughs> one of the mainstays at Columbia. So uh, that being said, we're gonna toss it to a quick commercial break, and uh, Kyle's gonna join me for an interview with Jim Bolster, and Pat will be back with me with Jiho. So uh, stick around. You're listening to the Roarcast presented by Jaguan Physical Therapy. During my time at Columbia, the incredible support from the university, alumni, and parents has helped us make great strides in the resources we've been able to provide our student athletes in and out of competition. We do not want to lose that momentum during this unprecedented year. With that in mind, I'm excited to announce the launch of the One Roar campaign for athletics. For this year only, the One Roar Fund will replace all sports-specific fundraising. By bringing our alumni and parent communities together, we can truly do something exceptional for past, present, and future Columbia Lions. In these times where reduced revenues and increased fiscal pressure are the new normal, the money raised during this campaign will support each of our 700 plus student athletes 
from all 31 sport programs, as well as the administrative units that support our teams. Your past investments in our athletic programs have been critical to our success, and I hope we can rely upon you to help our entire department through these challenging times. Be safe and go Lions. For more information and to make a gift, please visit GoColumbiaLions.com backslash one world. New York Presbyterian Hospital is one of the nation's most comprehensive, integrated academic health care delivery systems dedicated to providing the highest quality, most compassionate care and service to patients in the New York metropolitan area, nationally and throughout the globe. New York Presbyterian is consistently recognized as a leader in medical education, groundbreaking research, and innovative patient-centered clinical care. Ranked number one in the New York metropolitan area by U.S. News and World Report and repeatedly named to the honor roll of America's best hospitals, New York Presbyterian has 10 locations in the metropolitan area. For more information, visit nyp.org today. All right, welcome back to the Roarcast presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. This is our men's swimming and diving episode. And joining us for part one is the head coach of the program, Jim Bolster. Jim, how are you doing today? I am well, thank you. We really appreciate you joining us. Um, how, wh where are you? Let everybody know where you are right now and uh, how things have been. Well, I'm uh, at my home uh, here in Manhattan and uh, things have been going well. I, I, I think it's hard not to think that I'm on some sort of extended vacation or probably sabbatical sounds better, but um, yeah, for the most part, things have been fine. There have been no uh, health issues within my family. So that's, that's good. And there's been plenty of things going on in the world to, to keep me busy. No question. Now, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but you are in your 37th season as head coach of the program, correct? That is correct. All right. Got so that not right. To, not, not to, Jim's been the head coach at Columbia as long as I've been alive. Let's just uh, <laughs> same year I was born. So. <laughs> Easy for you to remember. Easy for you to remember. Well, well I was going to say my... if you struggled, if you struggled with the, the date, I was going to help be able to chime in there. But all right, so a staple at Columbia University and the Dodge Fitness Center, since uh, the Dodge Fitness Center probably looked pretty new when you got there. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let, let, let our listeners know um, first, I guess, how you got to Columbia before we kind of take it from there. All right. Well, I, I was born and raised in Princeton, New Jersey. My dad worked for Princeton University. So um, that's a bad start, Jim. Yeah, well, I, I realized that. <laughs> but I, I had seven brothers or I have seven brothers. I also have six sisters, but we used to go to the university. And we would get into all of their facilities and play basketball, football, baseball, swim, whatever. So we grew up in a college environment. And I, I think very early on, I realized that, wow, I think that's something that I would like to do. I'd like to be in a college setting. I, I didn't know exactly in what capacity, but I had enjoyed growing up in a college community and felt like that was going to be really important to me. So um, and, and one of the things that we did was uh, we went to all of the athletic events. So I would see all the other Ivy teams uh, come to town and, you know, got to know the colors, mascots, whatever. And I thought it was a pretty cool league. And the other thing that I should tell you before I go any further, uh, I always rooted against Princeton. I wanted them to lose every single game. So I was uh, from a very early age, uh, I, you know, I knew where I stood. <laughs> really drove that point home, Jim. That's good. Yes, uh, my dad wasn't happy about it, but uh, <laughs> he didn't stop me. Um, so when I left uh, Princeton, I, I went to a small school in Ohio, Denison University. And while there, I, I had a, you know, a decent athletic career. I played three different sports. Uh, and when I, when I graduated, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but 
I did have uh, an opportunity to play professional soccer. I've been uh, drafted by the Connecticut Bicentennials of the North American Soccer League. So I sort of knew what I was going to do immediately. Um, but after that, I, I wasn't sure. Um, but I ended up getting an NCA postgraduate scholarship and was pursuing a PhD actually in higher education administration. And after my first year there, Denison University, where I went, called and told me that there was an opportunity in their dean of students office for an assistant and they were interested in having me apply. So I, I thought about it at the same time, the fellow who had been my soccer coach and swim coach at Denison was became the athletic director. So he called me and he said, look, you know, if you get this job in the dean's office, you could be the swim coach. And I thought, oh, wow. All right. That, that, sound, that sounds pretty good. So sure enough, I was offered the job as the assistant to the assistant deans and took the job. And Ted Barkley was his name. He was the new AD. And he said, all right, well, Jim, you know, congratulations. You're the you're the new head swim coach. Uh, I was 23 years old at the time. Uh, fortunately, I had gone to Denison, so I had a pretty strong uh, understanding of what the school was like and the potential of the swimming program. So I signed on. And so at age 23, I was a head coach, never been mentored by anybody, didn't know the first thing about all of the administrative aspects of it, but I knew I think how to write a swim practice and how to get the most out of the kids. So maybe the only professional soccer player to ever be hired as a swim coach. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, but I, uh, I, you know, it was a real challenge. And so I ended up being there for five years and in what ended up being my fifth and final year, we, we took the, um, I took the swim team down to Puerto Rico for their January term training trip. And while down there, uh, the University of Michigan was there, Brown was there, and it just so happened that Columbia was there. Uh, and we all, all the coaches went out for dinner one night and I said, I was sitting next to the Columbia coaches and I said, well, you know, it's always been a goal of mine to coach at the Ivy League. That's really where my interest lies. I, I would love to work with division one athletes. And I, you know, I didn't really think too much of the conversation, but in April, uh, the head coach of the men's program, Len Galuzzi, uh, resigned. And so Jeff Ward, who was the fellow that I had dinner with that night uh, and was the, the new women's coach there, the program was just started because Columbia had just gone co-ed. Uh, so he was the first women's coach. He called me and said, look, this, is, this position is open. I've talked to my athletic director and you know, we really would like you to apply. And to be very honest, I was thinking, wow, well, you know, Columbia didn't even have a swim team when I was growing up. So that's not, you know, I was thinking more along the lines, I'd, I'd be at Dartmouth or something like that. That was at least my thought. But I, you know, I was, I thought about it. I thought, wow, well, here's a school that's reaching out to me. Uh, I'd be crazy not to take this opportunity. So I applied and came for the interview. And on the day of the interview, Columbia was uh, in the middle of registration for the fall classes. And as I came across campus, I happened to get a copy of the registration book. And it was like 250 pages of classes. And I, you know, I was coming from Denison where I think we had 10 mimeograph sheets of all of the courses that were available. So I saw this and I thought to myself, holy cow, I gotta come here. I could look at all these classes I could take. So, uh, you know, that was before I interviewed. And, I guess the interview went well because they offered me the job and I decided to take it. Uh, sort of the sad part of that story is I haven't taken a class yet. <laughs> 37 years, but uh, yeah, I, I guess the interview went well. They offered me the job. I took it and you know, I'm still here and still enjoying history, it. Huh? Rest is history. I was going to say, I hope uh, whoever finished number two in that interview process is hopefully not still waiting for you to, uh, <laughs> <Step> <laughs> to <down>. leave. <laughs> yes. 
That's funny. So, I mean, in 30, 37 plus years now with the, uh, with the program, I mean, you've accomplished more than, you know, as a head coach and your student athletes than I really have the, the time or the, you know, wherewithal to get through. But uh, I do want you to have the opportunity to bring up some of your proudest moments since you've been at Columbia. Like, what are some of the ones that, that whether they were, you know, the achievements of your students, whether they were something that the team did, like something that kind of comes to your mind uh, in that time? Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll try to give a couple um, in each decade. All right. Um, Go through the decades. <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost would be my very first year. Um, I thought that I was taking over a program. Actually, I was taking over a program that had just won an Ivy title. They had shared it four ways with Cornell, Princeton, uh, Harvard and Columbia, they were all seven and two. And at that point, the teams with the best dual meet record within the league were declared the Ivy champion. So that was part of my incentive to take the job was I was going to be working with a team that was coming off of a Ivy championship. And I was hoping that, you know, I could, I could continue that trend. Well, uh, probably with any change in, coaching uh, systems, the, there were, I, I guess it presented an out for a lot of athletes. So I thought that I was coming to a team of 19 to 20 athletes. There ended up being 13 and no freshmen. Uh, Gordon Spencer, my diving coach, had actually recruited some divers, but there were no freshman athletes on the team. So uh, we only had 13 guys and we sort of became known as the, the dirty dozen. And we won our very first meet. We beat Penn, went down to the last relay. At that time, relays were scored 7-0 and the score was 53-53 going into the last event, the, la the 400 freestyle relay. So whoever was going to win that race was going to win the meet. And we won it, so we won the meet 60 to 53. And you know, I told the guys that, hey, we're on our way. Well, we, we didn't win another meet <laughs> that first year. And we were one, I think we were one and eight in the league. And it was a big, well, I don't know so much that it was a wake up call, but it really hit home the, the value of recruiting and how important that was if you were gonna have any kind of success. So, um, that first year was uh, pretty tough to go one and eight. Uh, and for a lot of the guys, I mean, I, I was, I guess, 29 years old, but most of them thought I was 18. So it was really difficult for them to kind of view me as, you know, what does this guy know? But we hung in there. And four years later, in the 88-89 season, we went eight and one and shared the Ivy League title uh, with Princeton. So uh, we, we knew that we could do it. Um, they, they changed the format of the league in 92, I believe, so that you had to win the Ivy League championship meet at the end of the year in order to be um, declared the Ivy champions. And since 1972, no one in the league other than Princeton or Harvard has won the Ivy League title. Uh, we shared it, as I said, in 89. So we were probably the last team uh, other than those two to lay claim to the title, but uh, they have been pretty dominant. Um, so th those were certainly some highlights early on. Uh, in 2000, I got my first NCA qualifier, Jared Doherty. Um, he qualified in the 50, 100 free and the 100 fly and there's really kind of a fun story around that if you if we have time. Oh, of course, uh, of course. That's why we're here. Uh, the, the meet was out in Minnesota. Um, and 2000 was an Olympic year. So the meet was held in a 25 meter facility instead of a 25 yard facility. So we went out to the meet, Jared and I, and I believe it was the morning after the prelims, 
of the first day. And Jared swam the 50 free. He, he didn't make it back to swim at night, but um, you know, he had a good opening swim. And while he was sort of cooling down after his race, uh, the meet director at the conclusion of the morning's prelims, I heard him cussing up a storm because his announcer, whoever the guy was, walked off the job. They had given him some feedback after the morning prelims about sort of what they wanted him to do. He didn't like that. And he said, I'm not coming back. I quit. Don Meggerly, that's his name. So Don- I knew you'd do you know, was, I knew you'd come up with it. <laughs> was, was cussing up a storm saying, you know, I can't believe my friggin' announcer just left. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And so I said to him, I said, well, listen, Don, if you don't find anybody, you let me know because I could do it. And he said, oh, really? Do you have any experience? And I said, well, yes and no. I did my um, high school basketball games. Uh, and I grew up with a little transistor radio listening to Chicago Blackhawk games late at night when I was in bed. And the, the announcer, the public address announcer was just phenomenal. And so I you know, started honing my craft back then, never really got a chance to to demonstrate that, but you know, if you don't find anybody, I could do it. You you could count on me. So, I don't know. Later in the day, he said, "All right, Jim, look, we are stuck. I have nobody. Can you do it?" And I said, "Yes." And so, I got up there, and uh, you know, I had to introduce the national anthem or whatever, and then I welcomed everybody, and I said. Uh, I want you to grab your socks. Let's get let's get ready to rock or something like that. And so it unfolded, and they were just their jaws dropped. They they could not believe what I was doing. And I you know I was almost doing play by play of every race. I had all this information about the kids that were in the races. I knew the mascots of each team. You know I I was having fun, and I was calling the five hundred free, which is you know, 20 lengths and it can yeah, be that's a kind of long, but yeah. I was doing everything I could Kept to make interesting. these races. Yeah. Interesting and excited. And, you know, I had so much fun up there and as a result, the NCA hired me for the next five years to go down to the meet, regardless of whether I had a swimmer or not and call the meets, be the announcers for the meet. So, um, on Saturday, which was the hundred butterfly, Jared, my swimmer qualified 16th. So that was guaranteeing him a swim at night and honorable mention, all American status. And he, he led after the first 50 of the race. And so I was giving him all kinds of play. And I was saying, there's Jared Doherty <laughs> from Columbia university. Look at that kid, man. No one even knows about him. He's out long and smooth you know and i just had a field day gave him lots of play and uh really had you know a, a lot of fun with that so um that established my announcing career as well uh at the same time that we were competing at nc2a's and i did it for the next four or five years so um a lot of fun and then um uh, you know we've had some i think next year uh, 2001, we went to the Ivy Championships and we won five events. And we had never, I don't think we'd ever won one in my first 15 years. But that year, I took the swim team down to uh, Florida for a training trip. And instead of renting vehicles to transport the guys back and forth, I made them all rent bicycles. So we, we got to the bike store and Everybody got a bike and I said, okay, here's where the pool is. They all took off and there were five guys who did not know how to ride a bicycle. And I was like, what? <laughs> you, you, you gotta be kidding me, you don't know how to ride a bike? So I spent about 20 minutes, 30 minutes trying to teach him. And then I said, look guys, here's where the pool is. I gotta get there to run practice, we'll see you there. Well, two and a half later, hours later, by the end of the practice, they all made it. But we were riding about nine miles a day every day to practice and we get to the Ivy championships and we win five events. And everybody was saying to me, 
other coaches, you know, your kids' walls, their kicks, they look so strong. What, you know, what were you doing? I said, well, you know, I had them riding bicycles for two weeks, uh, 18 <laughs> miles a day. <laughs> and now you got city no. bikes here. So, you know, yeah, yeah right. Have you invested in the city bikes yet? <laughs> uh, but we've gone on to have a lot of um, Ivy champions. Uh, Adam Clayton Powell was a great um, performer for us. He won uh, four or five Ivy titles, went to three NC2A uh events made uh, scored 15th and 16th so got his name on the board got us points um this past year uh or this past fall even though they weren't swimming the team got a 3.8 gpa and had the fourth highest um gpa in the country and we sort of asked them, you know, what's the deal? How come you guys did so well? I said, well, we weren't swimming eight hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to think about seeing if I can incorporate that somehow into uh, next year's training. But, you know, there've been highlights every year almost throughout. And I, I don't think I'd still be here if I didn't feel like the team was getting better each year. Um, and also, you know, I get eight new kids every year. So I get eight new problems. Uh, and that's that's always fun to to work through to try to figure out how to relate to the guys and sort of understand where they're coming from. So, you know, there's been a lot that has happened in the 37 years and, you know, it's all been good. That's why I'm still here. I was, gonna, I was also going to ask you, you know, what when you got here, I'm sure you didn't think 37 years later that you'd still be here. It's just not typically, especially as a, in the coaching world. It's just not typically how it goes. So, you know, at, at what point in your Columbia career did you see yourself staying here, like, pretty much permanently? Well, Kyle, to be very, very honest with you, I never thought about that. I think that's part of the reason why I'm still here. I, I don't, um, I guess that's just not the way I think. Yeah. Um, I took the job because I thought it was going to be challenging and it gave me the opportunity to do all the things that I said I wanted to do. I mean, I don't think I had necessarily ever set out to be a coach, but I'm glad that I have ended up being a swim coach. I mean, I could have been a soccer coach, I guess, or a lacrosse coach. Those were the other two sports that I played. And I think that I would have been just as happy and perhaps right. as successful. Who knows? But, Tell Kevin Anderson to look uh, out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. But uh, the, um, you know, I never really, I didn't get to Columbia and think, okay, now I'm going to be here 10 years. And then after that, I'm going to start looking for a job. I got here and thought, okay, here are all the things that I'd like to do with the program. And I'm going to set out to accomplish those. And I'm still trying, you know, there's still things that I'd like to do. So I, I'm still really motivated. And I have put no, I mean, I suppose if, you, as of today, I would tell you, I'd love to make it 40 years, but that's because you asked me. That's not something that I wake up thinking about or thought about when I started way back in 84. It was, wow, this is, this is really fun. And I'm getting to do what I like to do. And, you know, for the most part, there's not too many people around telling me what to do. And that's, that's a, for me, that's a good working environment. Tell us a little bit how your coaching style has evolved. Like, can you believe from where, you know, how you got to where you are from where you started? Yeah. Um, you know, that was one of the things that I think I learned indirectly from my coach at Denison um, back in the eighties, uh, Ted Barkley, you know, he swam at Ohio state, I think back in the early sixties and I felt like he was still using some of the 60s techniques with us in the late to mid to late 70s. And, you know, I, I felt like that wasn't, he, he didn't always adjust to the time. So I have, I think one of the things that I think has helped me continue to be successful is for the most part, I've continued to be an athlete, you know, I've done a lot of different things um, after sort of playing days of 
soccer, lacrosse, and actual swim meets ended, I took up triathlons and some endurance sports. And, you know, it was really important to sort of keep in touch with coaching techniques, training techniques. Uh, and that was one thing that I always wanted, where I always sort of reminded myself about is, look, you know, times are advancing, training methodologies, training techniques are advancing. You've got to keep up with it. So my own participation as an athlete helped, but I also feel like, as I said, I get eight new kids every year that have come from eight different programs around the country. And it's really important to hear how they've been trained, what they're used to. Uh, you know, I can't have, I've got 33 kids on the team, so I can't have 33 different training styles because I don't have 33 lanes, but I can cobble together um, different training approaches to meet the needs of my athletes and their sprinters their middle distance and their distance. And if you train a sprinter the way you train a distance guy, they're probably not going to last very long. Sprinters tend to have a very short attention span. So it's important to be cognizant of that. Uh, that's why they're sprinters and adjust your uh, training philosophies to meet that need. So um, I, I think, the concepts are the same because the concept is hard work and hard work works. So there are lots of different ways though to work hard. And the way a sprinter works hard is completely different than the way a distance kid works hard. And you, you've got to understand that and then try to uh, come up with training regimes that, that match that. So I, I would think that, you know, I, I train a sprinter a lot differently today than I did when I first got there. Uh, but when I first got there, I was aware that there were sprinters. So um, it was important that they understand that too, because that, that helps with their, uh, their buy-in if they feel like, hey, he recognizes that I train, I swim differently than that kid and I would need a different workout. Let our uh, listeners know, like outside of swimming and outside of Columbia, what does Jim Bolster like to do? You know, <laughs> you know I know you said, you know, you, you've done triathlons in the past. I don't know if you've run any marathons, but like kind of like outside of the whole athletic world, even like, what is it, what is it that you find yourself doing, especially during these times? Well, I have um, become a huge uh, puzzle person in these last nine months. And uh, I, I do anything ranging from a 200, and 200 piece puzzle to a thousand piece puzzle. And uh, I have, you know, sort of developed my own, I don't know if it's unique, but it's my own style for doing the puzzles. And it has nothing to do with looking at the picture of the puzzle to see what I'm supposed to be putting together. It's all generated uh, mostly by the shapes and sizes of pieces. And I organize them uh, accordingly to the side of the puzzle before I even right. get started. So right. um, that's been a lot of fun. I, I've also really engaged in the department's efforts to uh, pursue and push uh, issues of social justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I've been uh, participating with a lot of uh, interest and energy in the efforts of the department uh, to address these matters. Uh, I, I read a fair amount or I like to read. So uh, that's something else. And sleep. Sleep, sleep, is, sleep yeah. is very important. It is very important. <laughs> I, I like to think or I like to try to operate at a pretty high energy level. So um, you know, trying to get at least eight hours is, is important. And, you know, I have three boys and a you know, great uh, partner in, in Sharon. So I like to try to spend some time with them as well. Any of them become swimmers? No, um, we made sure that they knew how to swim, but uh, none of them became swimmers. Uh, my middle son, Luke, plays basketball at Columbia. Uh, my oldest son, Jake, ran track at Hamilton College. And my youngest son, Clay, is going to play basketball at uh, Colby. So they've been athletes, but 
None of them are swimmers, and I'm 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 very good with that. I spend enough time as it is as a pool. Yeah, uh, I, I I'd hate to leave and spend another <laughs> six or seven hours so at somebody else's pool. So what's it been they, like? Uh, what's it been like for you having Luke at Columbia the last few years? I mean, I'm sure he's always been somewhat around, but what's it been like these last four years with him as a student athlete? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it just uh, I usually try to go to a lot of the athletic events here anyway, but having him on the basketball team, you know, we drove to Lafayette. I mean, we went to away games. That was something I don't think I ever, ever would have done uh, otherwise. Um, and getting to know the players in the basketball program, um, you know, has just uh, really enhanced the, my whole Columbia experience. So it's, it's really been a lot of fun. It's kind of devastating that they, they're not having this year because um, we really missed getting to know the other parents on the team and, and, and getting to know the athletes uh, and, and traveling to watch them play. But it, it, overall, it's been a very, very positive experience. Yep. So I wanted to go back on your work with the diversity and inclusion group. Tell us a little bit about um, that experience and what you guys have been working on in these first stages of the group's creation. Yeah. Um, I just lost my earbuds, so hopefully you can hear me all right. Yep. I just ran out of... Um, That's okay. His volume, his volume still sounds good, right? Yep, sounds good. Okay. 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 Um, so this was a, a committee put together by uh, Kara Holtzclaw, who was a recent hire to the department. And uh, she reached out to the entire athletic community or coaches body asking um, who would like to volunteer to be part of this I think it's called We Roar Together effort. And it was uh, an, an effort to um, sort of hold the account, or it is an effort to hold the department accountable to um, questions of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think the, the initial response was pretty good. There are probably somewhere between 23 and 30 of us who um, volunteered to be uh, part of the committee. And then once we had several meetings, we developed uh, four subcommittees. And one is devoted to the hiring and retention of staff so that the department itself would be reflective of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we, uh, that, that committee, wanted to focus on our hiring practices and to make sure that um, we are including in our searches and sending information in our searches to the various publications that would get at a wide range of people that we could have as applicants for the job. And an offshoot of that is that now whenever there is going to be a hire within the department, a representative or several representatives of the hiring and retention committee would be part of that interview process. Another committee is the continuing and re-education. And that charge is for that group to keep the department um, sort of current on you know, many of the social justice issues. I mean, a lot of this um, stem from the incidents of this past summer. Um, and the, the group is, is making an effort to provide the committee itself, the overall committee, and then the department with uh, films, documentaries, uh, publications, news articles to read and discuss in an effort to have conversations about race and uh, ethnicity and racism. Um, there's a, a, a committee, a BIPOC, which is uh, people of color, um, and it's a, a, an effort to focus on the lives of our student athletes, uh, black and brown, and uh, other people of color to make sure that their experience on campus is a positive one, and particularly within the department, that there are things that perhaps the department is not aware of that um, 
makes these people feel like maybe they're not as included. So um, the efforts there will be to highlight um, the achievements of student athletes and staff who are uh, making an effort to uh, enhance the lives of their athletes and particularly the athletes um, of color. And then there is a community service and community engagement um, committee and their efforts are going to be focused on trying to get the department to participate in the community. I mean, the university itself has a whole office that's dedicated to this, but we feel that within the department, it's important for our athletes to, to give back and to engage um, in the community around them. So that is the focus of that group. I happen to be um, on each one of those committees. So I'm getting um, a lot of Zoom calls in and a lot of uh, use of my, my free time. And it's really been a rewarding experience. We've had some pretty candid conversations within the group. And I think that we're, we're making a considerate effort to uh, change the way we operate. So um, the committee has, has really done a lot of work and there are a lot of, um, a lot of the coaches and administrators, staff that are on it that you know, probably wouldn't see or get to know as, as much as we are on this committee. So in many ways, it's really been um, a fulfilling endeavor for me. And the last thing I wanted to touch on is you somehow, amongst all of that, found time to volunteer at um, a COVID vaccination site at the Armory. So why don't you tell us how you got involved with that and what that experience was like? Yeah, well, that was a very uh, uplifting, positive experience. Um, and Columbia, uh, well, I guess our athletic department um, received uh, a request to have volunteers come and help with the vaccination process. And Peter Pilling um, brought it up in several of our um, head coaches calls that there was a call for volunteers. And if you were interested, sort of here's how you could go about doing it. Jim Gossett, our head trainer pointed out that he had already volunteered. And, um, you know, th this is a, a tough issue, this pandemic. It's really um, wreaked havoc with uh, almost every part of our lives. And one of the first steps in overcoming it is to is to try to get to herd immunity and getting people vaccinated. So I just thought it was a really um, important cause to be a part of and something that um, I mean, I guess I feel like I have a lot of time for I mean, <laughs> I don't have six hours a day of swim practice. So uh, how can I fill in this? You have to do four eight-hour shifts. Um, so I, I chose 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. because uh, 6 a.m. Is, is pretty much Your powerful. hours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and so last Friday was my first um, stint, and it was, it, it was terrific. The number of people that thanked us. I mean, some people thanked me for developing the vaccine, which I didn't tell them I hadn't, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it was really the the appreciation from the people that came um, was, you know, was 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 unbelievable, and they were they were really um, overjoyed that they had this opportunity um, to get this vaccine. And I feel like you know I, I'd like to do everything I can to support it. And as you may or may not know, there there are a lot of um, people out there that who have suffered significantly from this vaccine and and not everybody is comfortable getting it and not everybody's going to get it and it's really important i think that as much as i can model that this is something that's worthwhile for everybody um, to have and to try to help 
uh, as many people as possible get the vaccine, but to, to help the country as a whole get to a point where, um, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get back to normal, but at least begin to approach that. And people of color, um, the black community, Hispanics, they're people that probably need it more than anyone. They've really been ravaged by the disease. And I just feel like anything that I can do to help get that word out, but also to help people get it uh, would be a really positive step. So uh, Friday was a very uplifting experience. And I, I, I have three more Fridays to go, but I, I think that I'll probably try to volunteer until they're out or next through next school year when it starts. I probably wouldn't have eight hours in a day, but until then, um, I think it's a pretty easy thing to do and something that I, you know, I, as I said, I, I really enjoyed um, being out front with those people and hearing some of their um, concerns and seeing the appreciation they had for the opportunity to get the the vaccine. So very, very uplifting day. Now, I recommend that for anybody who's a Columbia employee, if you can participate, it's a, it's a great cause. And I learned, I think Columbia is the only hospital that's doing that. I don't think that Mount Sinai or NYU, um, and it's all volunteer driven. You know, there are, I mean, the vaccinators, I think are professionals, but everybody else is a professional in another field. They're just volunteering their time to be a part. I mean, I, I think some people, you know, it's a way to get the vaccine. So that's helpful. But um, the, uh, if, if you looked at the body of registrars, it was really impressive to see who all was there, the walks of life, the, the, the roles that they serve at Columbia Presbyterian, but also in the you know, down at Morningside Heights and all of other Columbia affiliations. So um, it, yeah, it was a really powerful experience. Great. Great. Yeah, that's awesome, Jim. Well, you know, I'm sure, you know, the athletics department, there are other people in the athletics department I know volunteering as well. And yeah, I did it with Mike Miller. Mike Miller, yeah. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed chatting with you guys. I hope this has been fun for you. Of course. It has been yeah, it was great. No, Jim, yeah. I like this. Keep going. You close it out. <laughs> and then you let everybody know who we're going to talk to next. Come on, throw it. I want to see it. Throw us to commercial. Throw it to a break. Throw it to a break. And you let everybody know who we're going to talk to when we come back. All right, gang. Listen, next up is one of my captains, Jiho, uh, graduating senior from the state of Michigan, a sprinter. So make sure that you ask him about uh, how he's trained, if he's trained differently from the uh, middle distance and distance guys, just so that um, my word is good here. But it's been a, a pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, enjoyed every minute of it. And I know that we've got a little commercial break, but I trust everyone will be back because that's it, right. it promises to be good. Thank you. Beautiful. Perfect. Jim, bringing you back. You're going to do it for <laughs> Jag One Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Alliance. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities, allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The JAG-1 team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jag1pt.com. That's J-A-G. O-N-E-P-T dot com for more information. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Alliance. All right, we are back. Uh, part two of the Roarcast presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. Uh, joining me and Patrick, who we heard uh, in the intro, uh, is Jiho Hyun from the men's swimming team, a senior captain from Ann Arbor, Michigan. So Jiho, thanks so much for taking some time today. Happy to be here. Great. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your major and uh, what do you swim here at Columbia? Sure. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm a senior in Columbia College. Uh, I'm majoring in computer science. And I typically swim to like sprint, uh, like shorter distance freestyle events. So like the 50 free and the 100 free. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, some of your, your fondest memories of, of swimming at Columbia. What, what's it been like? Uh, obviously the season uh, not happening due to the COVID pandemic and everything, but uh, when you were able to get in the pool, what are some of your top memories? Yeah, um, honestly, there, there are so many. And uh, looking back on it, even like the hardest practices seem like, oh, wow, I wish I could be there right now type of thing. But I guess my fondest memory was definitely our training trip last year in Hawaii. Um, I'd never been to Hawaii before. Um, and typically during training trip, we'll have like these really hard practices, but also time to kind of goof around and go to the beach um, and just hang out with the guys. And I think that's probably one of the aspects of swimming that I'm going to miss the most as I kind of leave that part of my <laughs> uh, life behind. So uh, we asked kind of everybody, everybody's in a different situation. Are you back in New York City or are you still at home right now? Uh, I actually am back in the city. So that's been kind of also uh, like an adjustment period, like attending classes, like at home in my room, like kind of cooped up. And then like suddenly being back here is like, honestly, it kind of feels like freshman year all over again, having to make that transition. So that's been kind of interesting as well. Uh, talk to us about Jim Bolster. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year, he always does like a big dive where he dives from the ceiling when practice yeah. starts. But talk to me about uh, um, <laughs> how Jim is with the program and you guys and some funny stories that you may have mm -hmm. about uh, Coach Bolster. Oh, Jim. Um, let's see. Jim, definitely one of the most interesting people like I've ever met, honestly, in my entire life. He, uh, I mean, he's been around for a while. He definitely knows his stuff as a coach. And I have a lot of respect for him in that manner, but it's just like, he does some crazy stuff for us. And I, I mean, like, yeah, the dive, I hope um, no one who isn't supposed to be listening is listening on this, but because we, we um, typically surprise the freshmen with that, but that's definitely one of the, the team traditions that I kind of look forward to every year is having Jim jump. Um, obviously Jim, Jim knows each one of us really well and he, he won't hesitate to help you with whatever you need help with. Um, and I think that he understands us sometimes better than we understand ourselves. Uh, for example, uh, last year, I was really struggling uh, both with swimming and with school um, just because of like the workload and like sometimes you just get in a rut. Um, and Jim decided to put me on the 400 free relay at the end of our meet against, I think it was Penn. Um, and it, it was, we were, we were, like pretty much shoot in to win the meet. And I, I just hadn't swam like a winning race in a long time and he didn't have to put me on the relay, um, but he did and we won. And it was honestly like a really great feeling. And I think he knew that I kind of needed that in that moment. And I think he does these kind of things that we don't really notice all the time. But um, at the end of the day, I'm like really thankful that he was my coach for the past three seasons and I'm definitely gonna miss him. Uh, once I graduate, so. Great. Um, let's take a step back because last week we had members of the women's swimming team and we talked about how they kind of got into swimming. Was it early on for you or is it something that you really, you know, tried to, to hone in on a little bit later on? Yeah. Um, honestly, I was not the most athletic kid growing up. Uh, a little heavy, um, a little flat-footed. Um, so my parents definitely wanted me to do some kind of like physical activity. Um, and we tried basically everything, uh, like basketball, tennis, soccer, and I just was, I just couldn't do any of them. And then they decided to give me swimming lessons just cause like, I mean, it's like water safety, but also they were kind of running out of options and it kind of clicked. Like, I, I honestly, like, it was like the first sport where I was like, hmm, like maybe I might have a shot at this. And so I stuck with it through age group swimming, which I think a lot of people do kind of took a break from it and then I actually moved to Korea and the training there is kind of insane and it kind of whipped me back in shape in time for high school in the U.S. 
And that's kind of how I ended up in college uh, swimming. So tell us a little bit about that. What led you to move to Korea? Uh, what, sure. what was that story? Um, so I, I grew up in Ann Arbor most of my life. Um, I didn't speak basically any Korean. Um, and then my dad got a job there. So we all packed up our bags and moved there thinking we weren't ever going to come back to the U.S. Um, and I, I really just like could not do it there. Like it's like culturally very, very different uh, from the U.S., uh, not just in terms of like the language, but, you know, like there, there are little things that kind of didn't click. Um, but the swimming there, it's like if you swim, you're going to be doing it as like a career or you're like you want to do it like basically like as a coach or like. For the rest of your life so like people there treat it very seriously it's not just like um you know you do it because you want to stay in shape or like you enjoy it. it's like you're committing to this and i honestly didn't know if that was the right thing for me to do um but i did like improve a lot just because we were doing so many yards um but we ended up moving back <laughs> anyways to the u.s um right back to ann arbor so it's like i uh almost never left so that was kind of how long were you in Korea? I was in Korea basically uh, for the entirety of middle school. So like okay. sixth through eighth grade. And was it a little bit of an adjustment coming back to the United States or was yeah. it just kind of like you kind of blended right back in? Mm. Yeah, no, it was definitely different again, just cause like I'd gotten so used to like, oh, you have to like be very formal with people who are older than you. And then like people like two years older than me, like, why are you acting like this? Like we're just friends or like my teachers and stuff like the way I treated them is very different from how teachers are typically treated here um yeah little things like that I just like it took me a while to kind of be like oh yeah I'm back in the states again so I kind of yeah I, I had to transition from being an American to a Korean and then back from being a Korean to an American again so uh going back to uh your school I was on your LinkedIn account you know, just doing some research before this interview. And it says you're a student developer uh, for the Columbia Virtual Campus. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that and how maybe what you worked on is probably helping the campus community with what's going on right now with COVID and everyone having to stay at home. Sure, yeah. So actually this is kind of an interesting story. So I was originally going to do an internship in the city uh, before the pandemic hit, obviously, but everything got canceled. Um, and I was back home just like, I guess, twiddling my thumbs and I, I didn't really have anything to do. And on Facebook, I saw a link to apply to kind of work with other students in the Columbia community who are trying to like reconnect students as best they could in like a virtual setting. And this was called Columbia Virtual Campus. I think one of the computer science professors like oversaw it, but basically um, I got a lot of experience like coding for this website that just display different resources um, like games or like uh, even Columbia like official resources that students could use to kind of hang out or like spend time together even if like we were you know not physically together and honestly it was really really helpful and really interesting um, and I think that was what actually like led to me getting like a full-time job having that on my resume so I'm really glad that I was able to both like work with Columbia students and like create something that could be used to help Columbia students and also like use that to kind of gain more experiences as a coder. Where where are you working full time or where will you be working full time, I should say? Um, I'll be working with Accenture as a tech analyst. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Great. And did you see last week uh, when the White House website changed the, there was like a uh, Easter egg on the new new on the changeover. I thought that was really. I thought I didn't know if you saw that, Jiho. No, I must have missed it. There so, was a. Yeah, the, basically, right when they changed the for the administration, there was um. If you're going into like the HTML code, the source page, and everything, mm -hmm. it says if you're reading this, we need your help building back better. And there's a link to apply for a job on the U.S. government. Oh. I thought that was really cool. Wow. <laughs> that that is neat. I'm sure that'll attract some. Yeah, some sure. interested people. Yeah. When did you get interested in computer science? Was that something early on or more towards you got when you got closer to mm, college? So I had like never coded in my life. Um, and honestly, I came into college thinking I would like maybe go to law school or like some sort of like, I guess, more humanities oriented type thing. I was never like a 
huge fan of like STEM in general, but I took a intro to a Java class and I just really liked it. And I thought, you know, maybe I could minor in this. Like, I don't have to like fully commit to this, but you know, I'll just stick around and see what happens. And I just kept going further and further down the rabbit hole until like I found myself like sophomore year being like, oh, I guess I'm a computer science major. Um, I think the thing is though, a lot of people come into college like having like preconceived notions about what they want to do. And I'm sort of glad that Columbia was kind of able to steer me away from like being like, oh, this is like exactly what I'm doing. Like, and this is what I'll be doing for the next few years. So I guess like being a computer science major um, is not where I thought I would end up being, but here I am, so. Did you, did the enrichment services team here, Jessica and her group, did, were they able to help you with some of that stuff or was it kind of like you figured it out on your own? Um, so I did talk to some of the enrichment folks about like interview prep. I like, my resume was just like, like who, who did this? You know, it was like so bad. Um, so they were able to point me towards different resources as well as like different people I could talk to even like, um, like tips on like networking, because even though like tech is a little less kind of like knowing the right people, it still definitely helps to like talk to people who are in the, in the sorry, who are in the industry. And um, so, yeah, that was definitely like for a kid who like knows no one in software engineering who like has didn't code before college. It was like definitely helpful to like talk to people and, you know, gain access to those kind of resources. And um. I know Jim is the, he's the head coach, but talk to us about Goose and how, uh, Gustavo, I should say, we call him Goose, but yes. how Gustavo has been and how he's been able to help you, you know, with your swimming on and off the, uh, in and out of the pool. Yeah, Goose, oh my gosh, what a legend. He, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we both love uh, Goose and Jim very much. Um, my relationship with Goose is a little different than Jim. I guess Jim is like, oh, he's like the, the grandfather like you have to like respect him right and he's right, kind of right, quirky right. but like you know you, you know you still need to be like oh like that's Jim but Goose is like you know he's like a bro yeah he is. <laughs> he's like, he's like an, he's, um I mean like he'll send us like memes I remember one time <laughs> he sent us like this ridiculous gif like out of nowhere for like no reason I was like who is this guy like he's our assistant head coach but like I don't know I I Goose is like very approachable. I, I actually, at first, I was um, I was a little intimidated by Goose just because like he's like very like yeah, stone faced, he's, he's stone faced, yeah, and he's yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's like he yeah. stands up straight and he's very yeah. like. Straight, mm -hmm. you know. So like I was like freshman year, I walked in, I was like, oh, I, I can't mess with, I don't want to get on this wrong, the wrong side of this guy, um, but like I think deep down he's a softy. You just you need to get to know him a right. little, um, but he's very he's very like sarcastic, um. And he'll roast you if you like mess up in practice or it's, it's just, we have a very like close relationship as a team with Goose. Um, and he also is uh, very technique oriented. So he'll always like invest in like different technology and stuff to help us, you know, be the best swimmers that we can be. I remember like he, he got this device that like measures your velocity as you like enter through your dive to see oh. like if changing the angle could Kind of maximize your velocity and like how many dolphin kicks to do underwater would be optimal for you so I, like he just does like crazy stuff like that to like help us with our technique and help us like improve in the water so much love to goose what are some things you're um you're gonna miss about columbia just being you know on campus being around what are, what are some things as you look back what are some things you're you're, you're gonna miss like just leaving and going into your hopefully professional career in life yeah honestly I mean besides the team um I think just like having the freedom to like like go to go to the library <laughs> like and just like the only thing you need to do is an assignment I think like I'm gonna miss like because like at the time it's so stressful like midterms and projects and like now that the end of that is approaching I'm like wow I'm gonna have to like pay taxes and stuff I'm gonna like have to like you know like you're grown up respond to a boss you're grown exactly. up, yeah. cook like, and clean just, and do your yeah, own yeah, yeah yeah i think like you know like just the simplicity of college life i think you really especially for me like 
like having not been here for the fall and part of the spring last year, it's like, you know, in a, in a lot of ways you feel robbed um, and you, there's not a lot that you can do. It's not anyone in particular's fault Like you can be angry, but like you just have to kind of keep moving forward, I guess. Like what we had like team breakfasts in Ferris. And at the time I was like, oh, I hate this food. Like <laughs> I'm so sick of it, you know, but I, I do anything to have like a team right. breakfast in Ferris again. You know, or like go to JJ's at like 2 a.m. and like eat five burgers because swimming keeps you in shape and you can do that kind of stuff. Like I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I have to like watch what I eat. Um, but yeah, and trust me, like, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel that. Um, but yeah, I think just like knowing that, you know, you have these people around you and you're living with them, um, your teammates, your friends, and then like we're all kind of going our separate ways after, you know, we graduate. Um, and I, I may never experience anything like what I had at Columbia ever again. So I think that kind of nostalgia factor is already kind of hitting. So. Well, I'm going to ask one more, you know, fun question that we, uh, we asked a lot of our guests here uh, before we let you go. Uh, any interesting hobbies or routines you've picked up uh, since you've, you've, since the pandemic's hit, a lot of people are baking, learning an instrument. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you been doing? Yeah, um, I've actually started investing in the stock market. <laughs> I That's think, another common answer. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're definitely think, at Columbia, Pat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's not like one of our biggie schools that we've been to. <laughs> um, I think there are a lot of people who decided that, like, during the pandemic, they could, you know, put their money to good use. And unfortunately for me, it has been put to bad use. Like, um, <laughs> if you go into the stock market, like not knowing anything, like you're going to lose a lot of money. Um, so that's kind of the lesson that I've learned the hard way. Um, but I think it's a use, like the money that I put in now, like it won't matter much in the long run. Like, it's just like, I, I, I kind of view it as like tuition because I think that being like financially responsible is like a, a really important skill to have later on in life. So just like learning to, you know, not just save money, but maybe put it somewhere that it'll like, you know, like do the, do this like magical stuff while you like go on with like your life is something that I think not enough people know, or maybe they do, but they just don't act on it. So I think it's been a good like lesson for me, I think. For sure. Any, any tips, any tips for, for us, any hot <laughs> stocks we should be looking for? No pressure, uh, <laughs> no pressure. Um, don't, I guess my biggest tip would be don't learn your investing from someone on the internet or, or someone like me. <laughs> <laughs> don't just go on Robin Hood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that easy. <laughs> All right, Jiho, thanks so much for taking some time. We had a really good conversation. It was a lot of fun. Uh, good luck this last semester. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully see you soon in person. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It, uh, this was a lot of fun, so. All right. Patrick, that, that, was, uh, that was good. I think we're going to bring you back. Oh, wow, pass thank test, you. You know, Look at that. Our fill-in host, you know, pass the test. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, remember, we're on live each Monday on Twitch at 10 a.m. And you can check out the full audio on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. We are there. Search for Columbia Athletics. Uh, give us a follow or subscribe. Leave some comments. Uh, we want to get better for you. So uh, until next week. Uh, I'm Mike Walsky once again. I was joined by Patrick Kassir, and thanks to uh, Jiho and Jim Bolster, and we'll be back next week.